2: Oh, there's nothing quite like the smell of fresh blood. Upsets in the month of March, the twelve-five stunners, the eleven-over-six buzzer beaters. But most of the time, what do you get for that? A dash of "I told you so" at the water cooler. Oh, look at my bracket! I nailed that one. Great. Wouldn't you rather get paid instead at mybookie.ag? You can and you will. The twelve-five upset when betting with my bookie is a take your girl out to stake dinner winner winner and right now when you sign up for an account my bookie will match your deposit with a 50% bonus here just have 50% more why not use promo code zabe charlie zulu alpha bravo echo at mybookie.ag to activate we're all going to be in office pools and that's fine nobody's going to get the perfect bracket we know that but you can make a killing at tournament time by seeing the big mistake coming and pouncing So let's go, people. MyBookie will match your deposit with a 50% bonus. Use promo code ZABE to activate the offer. You play, you win, you get paid. Only at MyBookie.ag. Today on the ZABEcast, Andy Poland joins me to talk tournament and the top 10 coaching meltdowns in college basketball history. Spoiler alert, Bobby Knight owns like five of them. Chris Cooley will join me to talk gronk as well as who he likes and doesn't like at quarterback in the upcoming NFL draft. All that plus the deeper story behind the Boeing 737 MAX 8. Bonus 1% Zabe is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! <laughs> Here we go!
0: Tuesday, March 26,
2: 2019. Thank you for downloading and thank you for subscribing. A double shot of guests today, so let's get cracky. First, this Boeing story on the Supermax or the Boeing Max 8, whatever, the 737 Max 8 airplane, whatever it's called exactly, I think it's the Max 8. I am but a rank amateur. Amateur when it comes to understanding commercial aviation or aviation in general, but I've always been fascinated by it. So these stories always pique my interest. And especially, I've got a thing for commercial aviation crash stories. It really is kind of a, a, a bit of a fetish for me. I don't worry about dying in an air crash, which I know a lot of people have serious mental breakdowns and panic attacks over flying. It just never resonated for me that, you know, oh my God, we might die. Of course you might die. Of course, more dangerous on the ground in terms of sheer numbers. The Boeing 737 MAX story though, that shakes me just a little bit. I was reading more about this over the weekend and I'll just paraphrase, I was going to highlight and read and highlight and read. I don't need to do that. I'm just going to paraphrase it for you. Boeing had dismissed Airbus as a rival for quite some time. Airbus, of course, the consortium of European countries who said, hey, let's get into the airline game, into the air, you know, commercial jet aviation game, and let's pool our resources and let's make a killer jet. And for years Boeing is like, Airbus, they suck. Pilots for years had a saying which went, if it ain't Boeing, I ain't going. Because the Airbus relied more on electronics and computer systems and stuff that automated flying of the airplane. The old school pilots who uh, loved to fly the plane and be the captain, they were more dismissive of Airbus. And the company, Boeing, was like, eh, whatever. Well, lo and behold, Airbus keeps grinding, keeps grinding, getting better, getting better, getting better. All of a sudden, Airbus is about to land a huge account and about to land a huge blow to Boeing. They're about to fulfill a huge order with American Airlines with (gasps) Airbus, the A320. They go to Boeing at the last minute and they're like, hey, uh... I know you don't want to hear this, but we're probably going to buy a bunch of Airbuses. Sorry about that, but they're more fuel efficient, and your 737, reliable, industry workhorse. It's just, you know, we want to save money. So, Boeing is like, oh, fuck. Really? All right, hold the phone. At this point, Boeing's engineers are like, uh, well, boss, we could build a brand new platform, a whole new plane that'll be more... Uh, Energy efficient, but that's going to take 10 years at least. Soup to nuts, design, to build, to testing, to certification, and away we go. That's when Boeing said, hmm, what if we put two bigger engines on the 737 frame and we put in a software system that helped keep the plane from stalling because the engines are bigger and it sometimes led to a more nose-up attitude In flight. And how about this? We won't tell the pilots of the new MAX 8 that there's this uh, software in the background called MCAS that adjusts the plane's trim and conditions because we don't want them to have to go through a simulator. So we just want, they, they just don't even know about that. You know, it's not a big deal. And when they talked about redesigning certain elements of the new 737 MAX, they're like, yeah, let's. Like, there's a lot of analog displays. And they said, well, why don't we make these digital? We can't then because it'll require pilots to go through training on this new plane. And that's going to take time and that's going to take money. And tick tock, we got to get this thing built. So as soon as they decided, okay, they, they told American, okay, we're, we're going to come up with a new plane. And I guess American split their order half Airbuses, half new Boeing 737 MAXs. They rushed into production. They produced this plane in half the time and they slapped this software in the background that was supposed to keep the plane from crashing by entering a stall and instead it might have, might have, because again, I want to stress I'm just an idiot on the couch reading stories and with a passing interest in aviation, it might have led to the two fatal crashes uh, overseas in the last month. What I find crazy is that how can you not tell the pilots, oh, yeah, by the way, there's a little software program that if the plane's acting weird, it might be, co- it might be because there's a faulty sensor that thinks you guys are too steep and you're going to stall, and so it's going to nose you down. And if that were to happen take takeoff, eh, that'd be bad. Didn't tell them because it would take training, and that would take time, and it would cost money. Of course, Boeing put out a statement, our first priority is safety. Oh shit. No, it's not. Your first priority was, "Oh shit, Airbus is going to get this order." That's what your first priority was. Your second priority and just about every priority. So it looks like it looks like a bad deal for Boeing and they're losing a lot of market capitalization. It's going to shake the company. Who knows what the official findings will be. They're they're putting out a new software patch for this airplane. Which doesn't really reassure me if I'm flying on one of the new MAX 8s. Oh, great. There's a patch for the software. Wonderful. I would have thought that on every airplane, every modern airplane, commercial airplane, there'd be one switch that if the plane is acting weird, you can go blip and flip it off and flip the plane off, flip the computer off. Literally disengaged every bit. Of computer control of the airplane. Then you rely on your training skills as a pilot to fly the airplane. And hopefully, we've trained our pilots well enough to understand how you fly a plane and what you do in certain situations and diagnose what's going wrong. Easier said than done, but not always. That said, bad deal. And, oh, <laughs> on top of it, uh, they somehow lobbied our government to go, oh, yeah. We're just going to certify. Is it okay if we certify these planes ourselves? FAA. You, know, you don't want to get involved in this, do you? Oh, cool. All right, good. We'll let you know when we're uh, good to fly with these new MAX 8s. All right. Thank you. Good job, government. Good job. And there was a pilot on one of the plane On the plane that crashed, he was on a flight the day before. It did the same thing. Where it started nosing down, and luckily he told the pilots because he was flying deadhead as just a you know a come along. He was like, "Yeah, here's what you got to do: flip this, flip that, ding, ding, ding." And okay, great, we didn't crash. All right, that was good. Uh, what are you doing tomorrow? Uh, it's an off day. I'm probably gonna go see a movie. Should you tell anyone about how we almost crashed and died and killed everybody? Yeah, no, I'll email somebody, I guess. Scary stuff. But I'm not scared. I'm not scared to fly, because I'm not on a Max Eight. I'm on some other reliable airplane, like a Boeing 707, 707 with the four tiny little engines, like a miniature, uh, like a miniature 747, but s- smaller. Maybe I'm on a, I'm an MD80. Whatever happened to McDonnell Douglas? Did Do they still make planes? Maybe I'll fly an MD-11, the sort of weird-looking version of the DC-10 with a big engine in the tail. Anyway, I could go on talking about stupid commercial airplanes for a long time. Let's call my friend Chris Cooley and get his thoughts on Gronk's retirement this week.
0: And Grossman throws, touchdown, no! It was dropped by Cooley. He was all alone. Nobody around them. The ball was in his
1: hands, and he dropped it. Busted coverage by the Jacksonville Jaguars. You think of Cooley, think of his slow start, Sam, over the last couple of games. He's he wanted it so bad. And here's the bust. I mean, you got nobody that's covering Cooley. He's had one touchdown in
2: the last nine games. He won't have an easier catch. One touchdown in the last nine games. Tell to the I never pass up an opportunity to talk to my favorite tight end and former radio partner, Chris Cooley, especially on a day in which the Gronk has hung him up. How about all hail the Gronk, one of the greats? No?
1: He, he, yeah, he's absolutely one of the greats. Um, is he retired for real?
2: Oh, ah. yeah,
1: well, I mean, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, he knows he wants to retire. He's beat up. But I'll never forget those first couple Novembers, <laughs> late Octobers, when the air gets all brisk.
2: <laughs>
1: it feels like football, and you haven't been playing, and you didn't go to training camp, and your body feels good, and you you think this might be fun for a few games. And then Tom Brady gives you a call. You know, Tom Brady gives you a call. says, hey, Gronk. Bro, because that's what he calls him. I'm sure. Hey, <laughs> Gronk, I need you.
2: <laughs> what if he calls him by his full name, um, Robert Gronkowski the Third? I could Excuse use me, Robert Gronkowski. <laughs> Gron- hey, bro, bro, let's go play some football. What made I,
1: I know I know that the best feeling of all time was that first year that i didn't play it i ran into cory lichtensteiger july 25th ish and he said oh i'm dreading it i gotta go to two days i gotta go in and i thought <laughs> yeah <laughs> have fun <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's sort of the story that uh, Joe Panos, former offensive guard for the Eagles and then the Buffalo Bills out of Wisconsin, he's now an agent. Panos said when he retired, he retired on the first day of training camp for Buffalo where he reported and then he quickly realized, nah, man, I can't do this anymore. And he never looked back. The thing is that's amazing
1: Is that the point, Rob is in his Robert Gronkowski III is in his career? (laughs) He doesn't need one second of training camp.
2: You don't think so?
1: I I really don't. Uh, He knows the, the entire system. He everything's muscle memory at this point. He could sit out all spring, all training camp, come back, and in three weeks. Starting October by mid-November, he'll be drunk.
2: Well, by that logic, what does any multiple-time pro Bowler who's played in the league for eight or nine years? What do any of them need out of training camp? I would think that would apply to everybody. It does, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, it does, in my opinion. But, now, it would be different. It would be
1: different to some extent if you had new system, new coaches, right. new quarterback, all of the rigmarole you know even in my when we when mike came it was my fourth offense that i'd been a part of it still took me a year to feel like i was completely comfortable in that offense right but every you know the second year of it i think my third year i didn't have any training camp 2011 i don't think i i was i was coming off my knee surgery and it had swollen up. I, I went to two days of practice and then didn't practice again until I played against the Giants, and I felt fine.
2: So. But you, are a, you were a notorious good studier, a good note-taker, a playbook knower. Other yeah, guys, sure Gronk has not so much.
1: Amazing notes. <laughs> amazing <laughs> you know, notes. The, the thing I'd be most interested to see is what doodles he has.
2: Oh, that would be hilarious. There was once a book somebody published called O.J.'s Legal Pad. Did you ever hear about it? No. So during the O.J. Simpson trial, you know, you could see O.J. taking notes from time to time. And the running joke was, what the fuck is O.J. doing taking notes? Like, what what part of the case is he going to hinge on and say, aha. Here's my defense. So somebody somebody published what looks like a a legal pad of notes, and it's all just doodles and funny shit like "Ha ha, if I did kill her, bitch had it coming." And then like a stick oh, figure of yeah, exactly stuff like that. So you could do a Gronk's playbook well, notepad, and it would know, be. I'm
1: not, this isn't a criticism, and because especially me, I'm not someone to be be in a position to criticize this. But I see his notepad as like boobs and butts everywhere.
2: Yes, but that was your notepad during the radio show, and I loved it. You were right brain occupied with the drawing, and your left brain was freed up to do the radio show. It's beautiful. Or the other way around. I forget which part of the brain does the well, artistic yeah, stuff.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, who are we to say?
2: Yeah. So so Gronk was most under—everyone knows he's great, It's big, great hands, Gronk catch ball— What was the most underrated aspect of Gronk?
1: How fast he actually was when you saw him in real life. I'll never forget watching him play at FedEx in 2011. The year I went on injured reserve because I'd been watching a ton of their film. And I remember watching more Aaron Hernandez because he was so amazing as a route runner. And I'm watching all this Gronk stuff and all these catches. I'm like, this dude is a big lumbering oaf. Right. And then he, he had 160 yards, caught a bunch of couple seam balls, and I, I was on the field during that game. and just remember thinking, "This dude is fast. He is faster than anybody gives him credit for. Even on TV, it doesn't come across as, as when you get in, in real time, real life, he's a monster, and he's fast. Which and, is, and that's like you could. I could emulate Tony Gonzalez. I could speed cut. I could roll things. I could do the things that he does. Maybe not as well, but I could do that. It said, Hernandez, I wasn't as, as good at double sticking like he and Jordan Reed did, but I could do that kind of stuff. I couldn't grow three inches and 30 pounds and maul DBs down the field as a route runner. Like, he, right. he like he had this innate physical asset that made him that much different than anybody else he did it like no one can do it like him because no one is him
2: yeah uh six six two sixty eight robert james gronkowski born may 14th 1989 nicknamed gronk says wikipedia huge accolades three-time super bowl champ five-time pro bowl four-time first team all pro nfl comeback player of the year Receiving touchdowns leader in 2011. I believe he's going to retire with the highest third. per – what's that?
1: Oh, yeah, third in touchdowns. Go ahead. Right, highest but – per-game average.
2: I Yeah, I heard that his per-game averages, both catches and yards, are number one all-time for tight ends. And that takes into account all the games he missed because of injury. So, in other words, when Gronk suited up, Gronk was going to dominate.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And then playoff stats are through the roof.
2: Exactly. And clutch and clutch moments, big catches. The other thing that impressed me as much as his playing is that here he was, this free spirit, quasi-meathead, never arrested. And he apparently has every dime of his paycheck from the NFL. He lived off of his endorsements. And other, you know, side oh. income, and just by being Gronk he would be able to float around yep. free and clear. That's to me awesome, cooley.
1: Yeah. As much as he seemed irresponsible, he was very irresponsible. I I you know, I know it, I know it all too well.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but he never like a guy like him with his personality should have been arrested at least once.
1: Why? He's just out having a good time drinking beers. You don't get arrested doing that if you're not doing dumb dumb things. Well, have he, someone drive you around. Have someone help take care of you. Look out for you a little bit.
2: Coolie. it people, sounds
1: treat people nicely.
2: Ah, that's the By big way, he's thing. he's a
1: legend in Boston, so it's not like it's not like he gets pulled over in Boston. They're not driving him home.
2: But a lot and of I'm not NFL, that
1: he drinks and drive drives. Right. But you pull over Rob Gronkowski in Boston and bring him in as a cop. You're fired.
2: <laughs> hey, uh, way to go, uh, Charles. You, you brought in Gronk. Yeah, you're fired, you idiot. You're off the force. What's wrong with you? Well, the thing is, like, there's a lot of athletes that are gods in their cities, and they go out and drink and whatever, and you say it's not hard. Yet, athletes keep getting in trouble. I think the key is... You can't let people get under your skin with the whole disrespect thing. Like, he's dissing me, you know? Gronk, I think, just floated around like, okay, man, whatever. And that's why he never got into any trouble. One of the reasons.
1: Sure, but also, he's not a guy that you really need to diss because there's not a lot to diss. True. I don't know. I, I don't think it's that hard, okay? I, I guess you're, you you got to have a little bit of a whatever personality, and he certainly had that yeah. or has
2: that. Yeah, I think so. All right, so uh, before I let you go and you're getting out of your car right now, uh, you've been watching tape, as you do always, and yeah, you probably been watching some quarterbacks, Redskins sitting at 15. Maybe they'll make a move, maybe not. I saw your thoughts on Josh Rosen. They horrified me just because you said he basically can't throw a screen pass. Oof. Or at least hasn't shown it yet.
1: He uh, did. He did really struggle to complete anything underneath.
2: <laughs> Those are the easy ones, man. Come on. All I right. know,
1: but you got to believe that if you can make the big, the tough ones, you should be able to make the easy
2: ones. All right. So give me, uh, give me sixty, give me ninety seconds on the quarterback crop coming out, starting with Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, and then anyone else you wants, Daniel Jones or Drew Locke. Go.
1: Kyler Murray's film will blow you away more than anybody else's film. It's, it's. Stunning how good he is He can make every play. He can make every throw. He's going to scare teams to death with his legs. He's phenomenal. Everything about him personally, I would highly, I'd be highly concerned about what all the stuff, Charlie he said, Charlie Cassidy didn't make that stuff up. He did have bad interviews. He did struggle in that aspect. Probably didn't care very much. And so I, I look at him as the first overall pick either way, because I think that's what Arizona did with Kingsbury And they'll continue to pat him on the back and make everything work around him. And I think he'll probably have some success. He's amazing on the field. Uh, I love Drew Locke. I think he's the most all-around talented player as a pure type of quarterback. He's really athletic. He'll be able to move in the pocket, uh, get away from pressure. His biggest criticism was makes too many throws off his back foot. Except he's amazing off his back foot. He makes unbelievable throws off his back foot. He was In a versatile offense, ran a ton of pro concepts, like him a bunch. Would love him at 15. That would be a dream. I don't see it happening. Did not like Haskins at all. Uh, Very limited pro pro concepts. Very slow feet. Not good movement in the pocket. Needs to see receivers win before he throws balls. Needs another year in that offense to develop. Needs probably two in an NFL offense. Can make a lot of throws. Big arm. Talented player. as a a passer, but you're saying upside on him more than you're saying ready to play right now. And so in that, I don't see him as a top. I wouldn't take him the first round.
2: Daniel Jones?
1: amazing at evaluating upside. Jones is a little bit tougher to evaluate because Duke had zero talent around him in a terrible offensive line. So he is athletic. He gets out of the pocket. He makes a ton of big throws on the move. He's got a big arm. Uh, Some of the timing and rhythm anticipation stuff you don't always see because the offense doesn't provide it. I hate the comment, doesn't play well against better talent or better teams because their receivers don't win. How's your quarterback going to win? I like Jones. I'm not 100% sure on Jones. Didn't have a good senior Bowl. didn't have a good combine. Probably pushed him down. Uh, Finley's a good player, very cerebral, smart player out of NC State. Uh, Questions on kind of person, kind of leader he is, even coming out of NC State, never really fit in with that program. I like him. I don't love him. I, I he's, he's an all right kind of guy. I watched a ton of Will Greer the other day. Uh, he reminds me of a two inch taller Rex Grossman, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. Right. Um, he just he's one of those Greer's one of those weird ones. I want to like him so much. When he throws it almost looks like he's jumping up out of his shoes. Like you'd like to see him drive more off his back legs misses a ton of throws high, misses a ton of throws with overthrows. And I don't like his technique as a thrower because obviously I know so much about throwing technique. But when I watch all these guys, <laughs> I, I don't necessarily love his technique. Right. And and it shows if he's not set and balanced, he doesn't throw the ball well. Now, he can throw it on the move when he squares the shoulders, and he does. He is on the move quite a bit. And the play-action boot stuff on the move, he's good. But as far as scrambling and on the move, I think mean, he, he's, he's questionable. So... Um. I, I see Will Greer as probably a late second, early third-round type of pick. Finley probably second, third-round type of pick. Jones will probably go in the late first, depending on who needs somebody or doesn't need somebody. Did I miss anyone there?
2: That, no. Perfect. So. Uh, by the way, a little birdie told me that Jay met with Will Greer and that Jay loves Will Greer. Doesn't mean they'll take him, but he said he loves him. Christopher, well, I've met yep. Will
1: Greer and watched him throw in Ashburn. Know. with Trace McSorley and I would guarantee you their personalities would fit perfectly. Got it. like I can see them as guys, two kind of the same type of guys and they did me because Google, the birdie, told me too and they had sushi. So.
2: <laughs> Christopher Ken Cooley, two-time Pro Bowler, all-time leader in tight end receptions for the Washington Redskins and never forget first team all sun Belt, 2003 at the mighty Utah State University. Cooley, thanks for your time, brother. Appreciate it, Dave. Oh, there's nothing quite like the smell of fresh blood upsets in the month of March. The 12-5 stunners, the 11-over-6 buzzer beaters. But most of the time, what do you get for that? A dash of I told you so at the water cooler. Oh, look at my bracket. I nailed that one. Great. Wouldn't you rather get paid instead? At mybookie.ag, you can and you will. The 12-5 upset when betting with MyBookie is a take-your-girl-out-to-steak-dinner-winner-winner. And right now, when you sign up for an account, MyBookie will match your deposit with a 50% bonus. Here, just have 50% more. Why not? Use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, at MyBookie.ag to activate. We're all going to be in office pools, and that's fine. Nobody's going to get the perfect bracket. We know that. But you can make a killing at tournament time. By seeing the big mistake coming and pouncing, so let's go, people! My bookie will match your deposit with a fifty percent bonus. Use promo code Zabe to activate the offer. You play, you win, you get paid. Only at mybookie.ag. So, are you are you over it from Saturday's loss to LSU? Well, I don't know.
3: You know, the, the fact that they got in it was good. Um, I've talked to people who know a lot more about basketball than I do, but I would say if you knew you could handle them with the zone, why didn't you come out with the zone? And the answer is, it seems to be, well, you don't want to tell your players what you've been doing all year isn't working and we're going to have to do something different to beat this team. So they tried the man, didn't work, went to zone, got back in the game and unfortunately couldn't defend the last few seconds. But, you know, it is what it
2: is. So that was the explanation that you don't like to psychologically tell your players, Hey, you're a man to man team, but we're going to play zone because these guys are like an NBA team.
3: Yeah. I mean, it, it, it seemed to me that's what you would do. And, you know, maybe the comp is Rick Pitino when he was coaching at Providence and he told the media prior to a Final eight game, I believe, with Georgetown, where they had morning in the tumbo, and you know, they had guys like Billy Donovan and Carlton Screen on, uh, <laughs> on Providence.
2: Carlton he said, Screen.
3: <laughs> he said, We're going to go right at him inside. And people said, oh, Yeah, <laughs> right. Morning in the tumbo. Well, that's what they did, and they got to the final four. So, yeah. you know, the great coaches seem to make those kind of adjustments.
2: I don't know why it would matter, though. Zone, man, whatever. Like, hey, guys, yeah. we're playing zone. We've worked on it all week, and we're going to fuck these guys up because their basketball IQs are not very high. They're super athletic. They're tall as shit. The big guy with the dreadlocks, is he the guy that LSU paid to come? Yeah. Reed. Reed, Reed. yeah. Naz Reed, number zero. Yeah. Holy fuck what a monster he is.
3: Yeah, well, it was worth it.
2: They, whatever they paid, it was a good it was a good purchase, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so you got LSU making a run to the Sweet 16. That might get all wiped out. Probably will. You got your boy Bruce Pearl at Auburn, mm-hmm. same thing. He's already had one assistant coach plead guilty in the FBI scandal. That could be wiped out. You got Kelvin Sampson at Houston, who has already been given the death penalty, a show cause. <laughs>
3: I just it's which means amazing. which means you'll see Rick Patino at UCLA next year. It's well, just the way it is.
2: That's that is a uh, that is a great point as I'm thinking about these coaches who have really been tickling the deepest of depths in terms of oh shit man your career is in real trouble because of scandals and wrongdoing. I thought to myself no wonder why Rick Patino is seething right now. Yeah right,
3: yeah well our our, our mutual friend, Chris Naki, says about his own coaching career. He had it to do over again. He's cheat his ass off. It, it, you know, there's really no no
2: downside to it. You cheat, you apologize, you do the time, you shuck and jive, you sell yourself, you do the hustle. See, that's the thing about Bruce Pearl. Bruce Pearl is the ultimate salesman. Am I nope. wrong?
3: No, no, he, look, he, he's a guy who never even played high school basketball, uh, worked his way up as a manager, and now he's he's hated in the profession, you know that.
2: Because he ratted on another yeah. program for cheating when he was right. at UWM, right? He,
3: he broke the code, he was a rat, <laughs> <laughs> so it works just like the mob, but and yeah, and now he's back.
2: Now he's, now he's back. Yeah. Did you? So, yeah, you mentioned that he never played basketball. Did you see the ESPN story about ranking all 64 coaches? Based? I did. Yeah. That was fascinating. They ranked all 64 coaches based on their playing careers. Obviously, John, uh, Chris Mullen, Hall of Famer, St. John's, Golden State Warriors, he was number one. And Bruce mm-hmm. Pearl was number 64 or 68, right. maybe, I think, at the bottom. Yeah.
3: yeah. Because the, most of the time, especially nowadays, they make so much money in the NBA that they don't take coaching jobs. Now, Mullen's an exception. Uh, Patrick Ewing is an exception. But by and large, they now, even though coaching pays a lot of money now, they don't need it. And usually it's the guy who is the overachiever, the scrappy little point guard on a Division three team, right. That, right? Like the Van Gundy boys. I think they were both like Division three players. You know, yeah. That's the way it works.
2: Yeah. And speaking of cheating, you got uh, Miller out at Arizona. Everyone thought he Mm -hmm. was dead man coaching. Still there. May end up surviving. I'm calling this era we're in now, Andy, the Ralph Northam effect of I'm not leaving. Like, I know you're (laughs) saying you got to leave. You got to resign. Fuck that. Make me. You and whose army?
3: Right. Yeah. Well, how about at Louisville? Don't you think they're kicking themselves about throwing Patino out too early? Like they rushed to judgment?
2: possibly, although they were incurring a lot of legal bills because of what he was doing, and I believe that they really like Chris Mack. Chris Mack is pretty good, but is he Patino? No, not exactly. There's only a few of them. So uh, your thoughts on the Duke VCU game? That was a classic.
3: Yeah, I was talking about it going into the game prior to – the game Sunday, there had been only eight of the 44 that had been played, including the play-in game, that had been decided by two or less. And the Maryland win and loss were two of those games. We didn't have any overtime games. So Sunday was a gift. And that game was as good as it gets for March Madness. That That's the perfect storm of a March Madness right. game. And, and it's a perfect... Duke ending. I mean, that's what Duke does. And <laughs> if you look at teams who won the national championship, they generally survive a game like that. So that could be the final rocket booster they need to uh, to win it all.
2: Let's count the uh, the ingredients to that classic. Number one, you got the number one team in the country, Duke, mm-hmm. the one college basketball team that the super casual college basketball fan knows a little bit about and probably tunes in to watch. Like uh, Pete Gilles, Pete Gillen once said, all right, Duke, they're on TV more than leave it to Beaver. Right. So you got right, Duke right. as the number one brand name franchise. You got the coaching connection of teacher and pupil and presumed uh, successor at some point to Coach K.
3: Well, you know, Johnny Dawkins is 54. If Krzyzewski goes another three or four years, are they going to want somebody that old? Maybe.
2: Who says he's only going to go three or four? I think K's going to go ten more. How old is K if right now? he goes now?
3: ten, that then he's gonna. So if he goes to he's well, he's, he's over seventy now or about seventy. So uh, if he goes to eighty, then Johnny Dawkins is 64, 65. I don't
2: know. <laughs> it, it'll be like a Bill Guthridge situation. Remember when he took over for Dean Smith because yeah. he had been on the bench yeah. forever, and it's like who is this old dude? And he actually did a pretty yeah. good job, better job than know, Matt four. Doherty did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. had the so you had the, the the coach and the protege coaching angle. You had the coach with his son on the team. Angle, you had the freak <laughs> angle in both Zion and in this kid Taco Fall, greatest yeah. name since Fennis Dembo in college basketball.
0: Taco, yeah,
2: Fall,
3: <laughs> and, and he he looked a lot more athletic than Manute the two Ball. freaks that that the yeah Manute Bol and Georgie Murison that the Bullets slash Wizards had. They, they, he was he looked like he was more of an athlete, but the NBA game has changed so much. I don't know if there's a spot for him anymore.
2: I don't know if there is either, but it'll be fun to watch because he warped gravity around his entire being. Like there were Duke players that were going into the lane, unguarded, mm-hmm. and then they would peel out and 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 then cruise away from the basket for no reason. And you're like, shoot that, what are you doing? And you're like, oh, that's right. Taco Fall is standing right there. That guard knows he can't get the shot off. <laughs>
3: I know, and and, and, uh, you saw Zion try and dunk on him and couldn't do it, and he started laughing.
2: Yeah, and and Taco (laughs) said, I'm not going to let him posterize me. Then you had the the replay, which I swear, Andy, I saw it both ways. I literally could not decide if it hit the rim or not. What about you?
3: I didn't think it hit the rim, but if it was inconclusive— why did it take them 10 minutes to figure that out?
2: Well, they, they, um, they it, take as long as they want in these replays, yeah. and that's frustrating. Then, of course, you had the dollop of controversy with the calls. No calls at the end. Everyone wants to hate Duke and conspiracy theory. I thought it was more than fairly officiated at the end. What do you think?
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it, they, they let him play, which is good. Uh, you're going to give Duke that kind of a break and it also led to one of your favorite things where shushevsky gets to play the old softy you know i don't coach uh, for yeah. wins i coach for relationships, relationships. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah and the money cuz i do yeah. get paid 8 million a year
3: and Johnny's such a good friend, and, oh, they played so hard. But he did – at least he stopped himself. He said, look, I'm not an idiot. I wanted to win the game.
2: Right. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. So it was a hell of a game. And you're right, we needed it because the, right now, they're, if they don't get some close ones, they will have to cancel One Shining Moment because there <laughs> will literally be only one Shining Moment. Right. You can't right, replay right. One it. Shining Moment for three and a half minutes. That's not going to work. Yeah. All right, I want to rewind to I want to rewind to last week and this Izzo thing and get your take on this because I believe at this point Andy, the number of people who are pushing back on s- so the supposedly outraged people like Scott mm-hmm. Van Pelt went into a deep dive on this on mm-hmm. his one big thing, the number of people who are cutting straw men in half saying I can't believe anyone's upset about this outnumber the people who are genuinely upset, 10 to one. That's my sense of this, that there was a few people who poked their heads out of their rabbit holes and said, hey man, he kind of lost his cool there. And then 10 people for every one of those jumped out and said, hey man, that's just coaching, settle down. Yeah, it's really
3: bizarre how he went from kind of John Wooden-esque to Bobby Knight in a matter of 30 seconds. And this is the effect of viral video, that if, if this game is played on a Tuesday night in February in Iowa and he goes off on a player, yeah, the, the video's going to be out there. But because it's the NCAA tournament, everybody wants to go, oh, my God, look at that. Well, if you look at his program, the guy's been there 25 years. He's right. never had anything like this. Every one of his players has said, yeah, this is part of it. And the other thing that nobody heard was this kid Aaron Henry mouthing back to him. I mean, I, I've, I've been around
0: <laughs>
2: teenagers. You know, my,
3: my, yeah. My, my, my son was uh, played on the high school basketball team. I've sat behind the bench. His coach, if one of his players did that would have reacted the same way, but there've been, you know, 60 people in the gym to see it. And nobody would have made a big deal about it. It, it. it, you know, part of being a player is shut the hell up. Let right. the coach talk, right. do your job. And everything will be fine. And the kid went back to play. And, and the kid also said, look, in practice, sometimes it's worse. And I don't understand how in one one moment Tom Izzo can go from being this highly respected coach who does everything the right way to an incredible tyrant who's got to be disciplined. Doesn't yeah. make any sense.
2: No, I don't. I don't think he did. And I think if you were to go on a search, a hard target search of every column every online commentary or rant about how bad a guy Izzo is and this, that, or the other, it'd be be hard to find, Andy. I don't think there was that many people out there. I think people preemptively pushed back and built straw men and then punched those straw men in the face without anyone of substance really saying, hey, man, he should be disciplined for this somehow. So,
3: Yeah, I I was disappointed in my partner, Tom Levero, getting soft on this.
2: Oh, no. Did he? Yeah,
3: he, he... Oh yeah, he lit. He lit up Izzo. He he thinks that that he said maybe there was a time for this, and he was also really conflicted, like his head was jerked in another way because Gary Williams, who rarely weighs in on Twitter, did, uh, and his friends with Izzo, you know, yeah. supported him and said, you know, he's building guys who are right. going to go on and do other things. And you know, Ga- Gary maybe didn't have a moment like that, but I sat behind his bench and heard some of the things he said to his players. It's in the heat of the moment. It's not a you know. It's not a, a, a terrible thing.
2: The people who got the worst of it were Gary's assistants. When mm-hmm. he coached, oh yeah, Gary's poor assistants used to take the most unbelievable brunt of Gary's rage. Right? He'd turn oh, around well, I, during I was, the game and he would be like, "What the fuck can't we guard? Why the? What are we doing?" And the coaches would be like, "I don't know. I'm not playing."
3: I was, I was behind the bench for one of Gary's great regular season wins. Grievous Vasquez hitting a shot with seconds to go to beat number one Duke. It was Vasquez's senior year. That was the team that lost to Michigan State. And it was a bizarro thing. It was, it was it, it, about ten minutes into the game, Maryland, or not even ten minutes, but four minutes into the game, Maryland's up by about seven or eight points. And one of the strings in the net breaks, I, you rarely see this in a game, sure. But they have to stop the game to replace the net, and the senior manager is up there, and he's wearing a suit because it's senior night, and he's sweating like crazy trying to replace <laughs> the net, and and it takes about ten minutes. And, and there's a young assistant named Eson. I think it was Greg Eson was on that team, guy maybe in his 20s. Gary spent the whole 10 minutes of the net being replaced just ripping him up, one side and down the other, as if to say, it was your responsibility to make sure that we had brand-new nets there that weren't going to tear. And, and, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and was, but the main thing he was worried about was he had momentum. He had yeah, right. Lead, and yeah. he didn't want the game to stop for something like that. But couldn't do anything about it.
2: By the way, the, the nets for this year's tournament are way too short. Whoever, really? Take a look. I don't know if they'll use the same ones at these new venues, but every, <laughs> every venue, Andy, they had little shorty nets that huh. just went when you would swish it. They, they were not... They were not to my liking, and I'm a I'm a net aficionado. I'm a twine connoisseur when it comes to <laughs> basketball. So if Izzo's getting all this protection from a lot of people, I ask this simple question. Where was that for Bobby Knight? Because Knight oh, yeah, well, was the same guy, beloved oh, by yeah. his players, all of them, you know, came back and was part of the program, except for Neil Reed, who obviously met a tragic end, committed suicide. But, uh, no, no, he, he didn't well, commit not suicide. suicide. He died of a heart attack?
3: Yeah, he died young, like in his late 30s. Yeah, he, like that. he
2: gained yeah. a ton of weight, but, yeah. you know, Knight was the same way. So why was Knight a villain, and Izzo is viewed as old school fire and brimstone?
3: Because we've had a chance to look at Bobby Knight in the rearview mirror, and there have been various documentaries done about it. Plus, he's really handled himself like a jerk since leaving, and I think that people say to themselves, oh, well, that happened. That should never happen again. Oh, does it look like Tom Izzo is getting into Bobby Knight territory? Well, we better scold him down and make sure he doesn't do that. So I think that's, that's the big reason for it.
2: Also, let's not forget, Bobby Knight hated the media and treated them like shit. Izzo right. knows how to play the game. Izzo yes, may tweak does. the media. He may be sarcastic, but he's not going to bite the hand that feeds. That's the yeah. big lesson yeah. right there. You you take on the media like Bobby Knight, and they will gladly say, okay, if this is how it's going to be, this is how it's going to be. Right, right. Speaking right. of which, uh, we, we reminisced, as, uh, Gitter and I, about the time Bobby Knight told me to sit on my microphone at <laughs> Zay Vegas. Remember that? <laughs> that
3: was funny. Yeah, well it was it was uh, I forget it was Billy Palazzo. Packer and Bobby Knight selling something. And they they were and, both and,
2: recently retired and they were yeah. paid by the Palazzo Venetian to come out okay. and do a little talk before the games during the Sweet 16 cuz Billy Packer was one of the first guys to embrace gambling. Like not right. be afraid to be associated with it. Back then we're talking 2010. It was still a bit of a scarlet letter for anybody Mm -hmm. with any pedigree of sorts, like Billy Packer, to be associated with gambling, even though it was legal in Las Vegas. Right. So they were out there giving like a little, you know, get together chat, and they agreed to come on our show, and that's (laughs) when when Bobby Knight snapped at me. And you lapped it up, man. You didn't back me up at all. No, no. Well, first of all, I was actually scared. It's it, it's
3: rare. I've done a lot of interviews with a lot of different people, but it's rare when I was actually scared that he could snap. And it was something you said or something, and then he looked at me and he said, "He doesn't listen." Yes, and I said, <laughs> "Right,
2: <laughs> right." He talked about he he talked about like a family member being a coach on one of the teams. Yeah, and I said, "Well, since she, and he didn't want to pick a, a winner." And I said, well, since you're recusing yourself on that one, I guess we'll move on. And that's where he stopped me. He said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't say I yeah. was recusing myself. He yeah, just wasn't picking it. a winner.
3: Yeah, anyway. I, was, I was actually scared. I was actually <laughs> physically intimidated. And, and you don't realize, I mean, he was a college basketball player. He's about 6'5". He, he's not a small guy. Oh, he's
2: a bear of a man. A yeah. bear of a man, yeah. yeah. So with that in mind, I have my top 10 college basketball coaches gone wild list. You ready? All right. Number 10, Frank Martin, formerly of K-State, formerly of South Carolina, intense, Google-eyed, just wacko. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, agreed. Number nine, Bob Huggins on any given night. (laughs) The guy had a heart attack coaching because he put himself under so much stress, took a couple months off and said, fuck it, if I'm going to die, this is how I want to die. Went back to coaching.
3: But with with the media, I would say this about him: he only looks dyspeptic. He doesn't look like he's going to rip your head off. You know what I mean? No. Have you ever seen Have you ever seen any video where he really snaps at a reporter? No. He just kind of answers in, in, a, in a you know kind of kind of way, but doesn't 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 physically intimidate like some of the others.
2: You know, he rose to prominence with those teams at Cincinnati which had a few a, more than a few penitentiary boys, so to speak on it, uh-huh. and they played tough-ass basketball and Huggins did not care that he was wearing the black hat, so to speak, in college basketball and they called him thuggins and everything else, but in every media avail he was had this I don't give a fuck attitude that I think right. enraged people even more that he was just like, well, whatever. Uh, number set, number eight, Larry Eustachie, college basketball <laughs> coach has gone wild, got fired yeah. from Iowa State for partying with college kids on the road during road trips after games.
3: And as if it was an excuse, he said, well, when I have – a beer i don't have just one i have a lot of them oh well then (laughs) that explains your your boring behavior that got you fired from a million dollar job that makes
2: sense uh number seven northwestern's ricky birdsong who wandered up into the stands one game while serving as a head coach he then took a leave of absence shortly after that to deal with some mental health issues
3: was he the one? Wasn't there a Northwestern coach? I don't know. Was it was that one who got shot while walking in his neighborhood? I'm not uh, sure. That might
2: him. be Ricky Birdsong. Yeah, uh, might be. Uh, How come it's uh, how come it's not listed on Wikipedia? For God's sakes.
3: Then I don't have the right one, but I do remember there was a Northwestern coach, and I do remember him going into the stands. Yes,
2: I do. Yeah, and you know he seriously. Uh, Oh, I spelled birdsong wrong. B-Y-D. Yes, he was killed, Andy. July 3rd, 1999. Uh, in a hate crime killing spree at 9 p.m. on July 2nd. But yeah. Okay, number six, right? Am I on number six now? Ten was Martin. Nine was Huggins. Eight was Eustacey. Seven was Ricky Birdsong. At number six, Bobby Knight's golf video outtakes. I'm going to play one for everyone right now. I don't have it for you, Andy, but it's pretty funny.
0: Oh, shit. Fuck me. Cocksuckers, motherfucker. Well, welcome back to Golf Your Way. And what we're going to do today is work on the iron play and we're going to start with the short irons and work right down through the the long irons and uh, I hope I've got a, another shot somewhere along the way that's like the eight or nine that I already hit but we'll see well you don't need it at any time this is bullshit this is an experiment what what, what if uh, I don't have a pro what if I just want to go to Nevada Bob's <laughs> Well, I'd rather no, see you go see a PGA. I GoPro. know you would. I want to fuck all you golf pros here on my show. Let's do that one again. Let's do that one again.
2: At number five, Bobby Knight, when he banged the phone off the hook courtside yeah. in the NCAA tournament against, I think, LSU and Dale Brown. That
3: makes sense. And think about this there wouldn't be a phone like that there to bang anymore.
2: <laughs> exactly. Number four, uh, Rick uh, Bobby Knight throwing a chair across the court. <laughs>
3: That's only four?
2: Well, I've got five night ones, and then I've got the number one college basketball coaches gone wild. I'm pretty sure you know which one it is, but I'm working through the night ones. i got five night ones. Uh, number three, uh, Neil Reed getting, quote, choked. By Bobby Knight, which was the briefest of touches to the neck, but okay, whatever. Number two, and this one's, I'm going to play the audio right after I announce it here. Bobby Knight's locker room rant that was caught on recorder outside the walls in which he screams about, I will not sit here at eight and fucking 10 all year long. You will pay for it. You want to play that
0: I'm getting the fuck out of here. I mean, if you're not going to recover Greg Graham, if you're just going to let him drive by you, if the rest of you are going to let him catch the ball outside the three-second lane and drive all the way in here without one guy challenging him, then I'm leaving and you fucking guys will run until you can't even suffer. Now, I'm tired of this shit. I'm sick and fucking tired of an 8-10 record. I'm fucking tired of losing to Purdue. I'm not here to fuck around this week. Now, you may be, but I'm not. That if we don't play up there Monday night, you're gonna believe the next four fucking days. Now, I am not here to get my ass beat on Monday. Now, you better fucking understand that right now. This is absolute fucking bullshit. Now, I'll fucking run your ass right in the ground. I mean, I'll fucking run you. You'll think last night was a fucking picnic. I had to sit around for a fucking year with an 8 and 10 record in this fucking land. And I mean, you will not put me in that fucking position again. Or you will goddamn pay for it like you can't fucking believe. Now so you better get your head out of your ass. Yep.
2: That, that was an unbelievable rant right there. And the number one college basketball coach has gone wild on my impromptu list of 10. And if I forgot any, please let me know. John Cheney, I will fucking kill you. John Calipari.
0: I just got my ass blasted for giving them hell down in West Virginia. And here you get a hell of a job right here today. Good job. Three class guys. And you pick them out here and single them out. You can't get yeah, that. Shut up, guys. Shut up, guys. Knock
3: the mouth, there him oh the game. <laughs> yep, a young Calipari. Look how young he looks in that video.
2: That's right, seen it? That was Temple yeah. versus UMass, circa '99, maybe something like that.
3: Maybe even earlier. '97,
2: '96, '97, '98, and yeah. that 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 was a huge thing. I think I think Cheney got off fairly light for that, all things considered.
3: Yeah, but remember, Chaney had one of his players goon it up with uh, that was, from, uh that was much later.
2: That was much later. Yeah, and that was worse. He, that, he said, I yeah. pulled him to break his arm.
3: Right, and he did. Yeah. <laughs> Not so,
2: good. All right, so those are my top 10 college basketball coaches going wild. Uh, some other things real quick here. It looks like the Bob Craft game is afoot. Did you see yeah. his pseudo-apology without admitting anything exactly via ESPN this weekend?
3: Yeah, I did. And and we talked about this on the air. I, I wonder which way this goes with Goodell, who was obviously too light on the Patriots with Spygate and may have been too heavy-handed with the Flategate. Yeah. Yeah. So, so which way does he go? Because I guess the comp is is Irsay, who got was he get six games for a DUI?
2: Six games and the maximum five hundred thousand dollars.
3: Yeah. Well, the money's irrelevant. But let's say it's it's five hundred thousand. Does he get six games for this? I would think. If now, if he really wants to show that he's not being favored to owners, and you know, when he's dropping discipline on players. Why not kick him out the whole season? What does that what does that mean? Does it mean he, he stops making money? No. He just, I don't know, he just can't do any league business.
2: I think they I think the league wants to wait as long as they can because here's the key point in all this. This this Florida Sheriff's Department may have way oversold the notion of human trafficking. Mm-hmm. In other words, no one's been actually charged in this sting that encompassed multiple rub-and-tug joints, no one has been charged yet with human trafficking. They may have trumped that up just as an excuse to go in and bust up some rub-and-tug joints, which they don't want in neighborhoods down there. The other thing that yeah. helps Craft a lot is that it turns out he got services from a 54- and a 43-year-old woman. That's a There's lot. Management. That's a lot. Right, management. The best. I want yeah. management here. Help me out here. But yeah. if it had been an 18-year-old girl. Oh yeah. way bigger problem. Agreed? Oh, oh of course. Of course. So so but, the suspension but, but. would have been longer. This now smells but. to me like a 2 to 4 gamer, not a 6 gamer. But what do I know?
3: Possibly, but, but the video will get out. TMZ is going to get it. And somebody in the sheriff's department was quoted as saying, oh yeah, it's bad. It's, it's really bad.
2: So <laughs> It's bad. So. What is he going to say? Oh no, it's pretty good actually. Uh, Bob Kraft looks pretty buff and he doesn't look awkward or stupid at all getting blown by a 54-year-old Chinese masseuse.
3: Right. I mean, it, it's not like, you know, the, apparently the video is, is clear enough, so eh, it might be Bob Kraft or it could be uh, a number of any other people. We don't really know. Now, his, his lawyer is is also looking to get the charges dropped on the technicality because he said that the uh, information was obtained illegally and the video was obtained illegally. So, you know, that's that's what he's going for. So if the charges go away, then I guess there's no... Crime, right? Or does how does Goodell view that?
2: Well, the, the way these prostitution busts go, the d- defendants can plead not quite guilty, but they're not going to be innocent. They're, they're going to go through a class, and then they're going to have their record expunged, and they basically plead in a way that says, look, I'm not saying I did it, but you probably would have beat me in court, so let's just fast forward through yeah. all of that. And from right. a legal well, standpoint, it just makes things a lot easier. But Goodell is is the one, you know, the shield court, as I put it. The the wrath of Lisa Friel, the woman's rights issues won't, you know, chief for the NFL. Her court is not a real court. And so that's where Kraft's real jeopardy is.
3: Yeah. Well, also, as, as lavero pointed out, uh, in his statement he dragged in his dead wife
2: to defend oh, himself that that was rich wasn't it y- yeah, i love like, you, women and don't forget my beloved myra who died yeah. t- 8 years ago
3: <laughs> right who, who who gave me my moral compass not in so many words but apparently you've lost that Bob. And and not only that, you did a day-night doubleheader. It wasn't like, you know, you just showed up once right. you were there the night before and came well, came back h- hungry for breakfast. I mean he, come was, on.
2: he was under a lot of stress. The Patriots were in the yeah. AFC title game, man. Guys gotta release it. Like he, like they haven't been before. I know, yeah. I know. He should have said he should have said, Myra let me do this all the time. No? That's funny. You know, you don't think so? No, it wouldn't no. work? Okay. No, no, uh, no. <laughs> a media note and then a redskin note, and then we're done. Uh, have you seen the latest Francesa rumors from Andrew Marchand up in New York City that apparently they are looking desperately, Intercom is, for a way out of this debacle of a comeback, and they tried to get Adam Shine Syracuse. Yeah. Great day, great interviews, great life, Adam Shine yeah. to take over. Francesca
3: that... would hate him. Fr- Francesca needs a there's – a, there's a guy who does like the overnight. I think his name is Jastrzemski. His yes. name is the guy who was involved in the Flategate with the Patriots. I right. don't think they're related. But what he needs is a guy who's with him on the set when he, he bloviates about a 16, never beating a one <laughs> – that somebody could sit there. Well, hold on, Mike. There actually was one. Oh, yeah, you're right.
2: In other words and- In other words, he needs a guy who does the basic work of being a host. Seeing right. things, watching things, knowing things. Isn't exactly. that isn't that an amazing indictment that they're like, we gotta get a partner with Francesa that actually knows what the fuck is going on. Cause while right. we're paying well- him millions to be a blowhard and a bully, we kind of need to actually mind our P's and Q's here.
3: Well, this is what, you know, I must had that with Charles McCord, is that is that you have a guy who's your safety net, and that's what he needs at this point. I don't think it's any great shame, but if he wants okay. to continue to,
2: but to it's do an, this. That's... It, it's different from having a guy who's going to fact-check you and, and, and just, you know, double-check things. Mm-hmm. Francesa doesn't he, – he must go out of his way to not know anything. Like, for example, when he was told by a caller about the Izzo incident, This is at 2 in the afternoon when it's been the talk of sports radio and television all day long. Mm -hmm. He still hadn't seen it, didn't know what it was.
3: I know. He had had none of that. He had his producer send it to him on his phone because he does the show from home now. And then he he watched it. 30 seconds without saying a word on the air while he watched it.
2: Unbelievable. So yeah. so, how do you think it's going to end for Francesa? I think it ends and it ends badly. I think it'll. I think Kay will beat him in this ra- ratings book coming up, and then they're gonna. So, he's gonna leave and say it was his decision or whatever. But I don't think mm-hmm. Francesa makes it to football season.
3: Probably not, and I I don't think that Adam Shine is definitely the answer. Uh, the politically correct thing to do, I guess, is to put the show they originally had there for four months.
2: back. CMB. And, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let's uh, see what
3: happens. But, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. But although, you know, even if he's, if he's neck and neck with, with Kay, they're still making money. I mean, he, he's, right. he's there to produce money for the station and produce money for himself. Sure. So, you know, and he's, he's, he's flirted with, with dropping to two, but I guess in the final rating period, which is three months, he narrowly edged out K again. Yeah. So.
2: All right. Uh, Last topic: Uh, the Redskins, our beloved Redskins, Andy. I'm not sure if you saw this. Have been posted by many sports books leading into the 2019 season as the longest odds to make the Super Bowl at over 150 to one. It's not just the long shot odds involved that to me is startling. It's the fact that we are dead fucking last. In other words, we have mm-hmm. now fallen behind both the Jets and the Browns and the Jaguars, the usual perennial suspects of being the farthest planets from the NFL sun. This is new territory for us, Andy. It's new. I'm telling you.
3: Yeah, I can I can't really remember that like even when they were 3 and 13 under Norv coming off, you know, basically rebuilding. Um, yeah, I, mean, I don't know what the odds were then. But, yeah, they, they've certainly earned that. And, look, the guy who is, is going to be the starting quarterback apparently uh, showed up at a race over the weekend on that. crutches. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, apparently, Cole had another surgery, and nobody really talked about it. And they're like, no, no, it's just a cleanup surgery. He's going to be fine.
3: Yeah, well, you know, that that's, that's not good, is it?
2: <laughs> no. So how do you feel yeah. about being the farthest – Planet from the sun. We are now Pluto, Andy. Cold, yeah, yeah. desolate, lifeless. We are sitting at the bottom of any expectations for hasn't next year. Hasn't been
3: well earned. Has, has, it has. Hasn't this? Yeah. I mean, it's not like this. It's not like they did everything right and a string of bad luck happened. I mean, even if Alex Smith is playing this year, maybe they're not picked for those odds, but they're nowhere near. Being in the Super Bowl
2: mix. Oh, I know. I know. It's amazing. Yeah. It's it's yeah. incredible. All right. Yeah. They earned it. All right. That'll do it for us today. Thank you, Andy, for your time. As always, we'll miss you in Vegas. Let me know if you want to get any bets down, although in this day and age, I don't even have to do that. Nobody has to do that anymore. It's like, you want to no. bet to get down? No. Everyone can bet everywhere nowadays.
3: Do it on your phone. Not a problem, but have a good time. I, I was I was saying to Lavera over the weekend, that's really one of the great trips we've both been on. We really enjoyed it, and I, I know you're going to have a good time with your listeners.
2: Well, you know what, Andy? We will have you out there, and maybe we'll get Lovey out there. We will do it again, believe me, because when you and Lovey were out there that year, I had a hoot. I had a blast. It was great. It was fun. All right, Andy. Fun. See All you, right, man. Right, see, see you. We'll end on this today. Apple, big announcement on Monday, in which they said they are going to refocus the company The nearly trillion dollar company on services and entertainment or entertainment and services or television or I don't know how it's going to work. I read the whole long article about it. It's obviously a move to keep relevant because people have stopped buying iPhones. And by people, I mean everyone else, not me. I still buy iPhones, then return them and say, "Eh, can I get the one back that has the button? Yes, the eight. That's good. I want that one. People aren't buying iPhones. They're lasting longer. You don't need all the horsepower that's in them. Everything is as good as you could possibly want it. Camera, screen, speed, etc. The only thing that doesn't work in phones are the fucking ability to call people and to have them listen to you clearly, which maybe they're working on, maybe not. So Apple wants to refocus on delivering movies and TV shows and original content and services. I, I don't know what that means, services. Oh, financial services. Who's your accountant, Bob? Uh, Apple. Yes, I've got ITax. They've got me all dialed up. Yeah, that's great. Uh, how's it going for you? Oh, you know, good. Lost eight percent last year in the market, but I'm, I'm confident they're going to bring it around. Good luck to Apple. We'll see. I've always been a. I've got all their products. I do. This podcast is being produced on an iMac with the fantastic program Final Cut Pro. And I have an iPad, two of them. I have an iPhone, as you know. I've got a MacBook Pro. Apple, 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 Apple. Oh, I hope Tim Cook knows what the fuck he's doing for the next 20 years. Because I don't want to have to learn another computer system. That'll do it for today. Download, subscribe, comment, like, tell a couple friends. Savecast app is absolutely free. Subscribe to premium by going to Zabe.com slash premium and get Fridays as well. Podcasts are the future. Email me with topics, feedbacks, feedback, and suggestions at zabe at yahoo.com. Now get on out there and help an old lady across the street, and we will see you next time. bring both sides like
0: champagne.
2: Oh, there's nothing quite like the smell of fresh blood upsets in the month of March. The 12-5 stunners, the 11-over-6 buzzer beaters. But most of the time, what do you get for that? A dash of I told you so at the water cooler. Oh, look at my bracket. I nailed that one. Great. Wouldn't you rather get paid instead? At mybookie.ag, you can and you will. The 12-5 upset when betting with my bookie is a take your girl out to stake dinner winner winner and right now when you sign up for an account mybookie will match your deposit with a 50% bonus here just have 50% more why not use promo code zabe charlie zulu alpha bravo echo at mybookie.ag to activate we're all going to be in office pools and that's fine nobody's going to get the perfect bracket we know that but you can make a killing at tournament time by seeing the big mistake coming and pouncing So let's go, people. MyBookie will match your deposit with a 50% bonus. Use promo code ZABE to activate the offer. You play, you win, you get paid. Only at MyBookie.ag